you can come up here and we're gonna start singing. Alright guys, we're going live here. I see Katie Birch. I see Kim. Hi guys. Silas, you say hi. hi. You can see they're, they're watching down there. <clears throat> we'll wait for a couple more people to come in. Oh, there's Donna Tipton. Hi Donna. <laughs> we're going to start off in a couple of seconds with... Uh, some familiar songs. Uh, Jesus Loves Me is uh, a precious one right now for us because all of us feel pretty weak. And uh, the song says, Jesus loves me, this I know. I, I am weak, but he is strong. So I think we've got a good group coming in. Um, Frank, good to see you. Ken, good to see you, brother. Um, yeah, that's how the live video works. Hi, Donna. See, people can make comments on the live video. All right, well, we're going to sing. Uh, hey, Corey, welcome. Oh, hi, Patty. Hey, Sarah. Everybody's tuning in. All right, we're going to start off with Jesus Loves Me. All righty. Jesus loves me. right now uh, we're gonna sing uh, have you heard about Jesus and the chorus says this is the best news we have ever heard so let's sing this one and if you're watching go ahead and sing along with us if you if you would like have you heard about Jesus do you know who he is he's the very son of God he's a king of have you heard of the gospel? Do you know what it is? It tells us Jesus died for us, save us from our sins. This is the best news that we could ever hear. It's more than amazing. It drives at every 
by trusting in Jesus Christ, in his saving sacrifice. We can be made new. We can be made new. Have you heard of the promise God has made? If we turn from our sinful ways and put our faith in His Son, He will freely forgive us, He will wash us clean. When we stand before His throne, He will shout, Welcome in. Oh, this is the best news that we good to see each one of you guys tuning in and for those who may tune in later and join us um, it's good that you you can join us this way um, just wanted to um, share a few announcements with you from our church leadership uh, we will continue to live stream on Sunday mornings for as long as our uh, government uh, is encouraging us to do so so as a church, we want to respect those in authority over us and love our neighbors uh, by protecting this, them from the spread of this, this virus that we're dealing with right now. So uh, that's the first order of news. Also, we will be uh, trying to do another all-church Zoom hangout uh, this week. Um, stay tuned for details of, of when that will be, uh, most likely Thursday night. Uh, so uh, hopefully we can um, figure out the technology with that. And then uh, <clears throat> Saturday night, we will be doing a Saturday evening prayer, and that will be from 6.45 to 7.45, so I'll send out another Zoom invite for that. Uh, that's uh, what we've got going on. I just want to remind you, if you have any prayer requests as a church family, um, to please message me or uh, Carl or Brian and let us know, and uh, we, we can share uh, with the church family. Um, 
just what, what your request would be. Uh, also, if you have any needs or if you are aware of any needs in the community, we keep saying this, if you know of anyone who needs food, who needs a price drop or gift card to, to give them a week or two of groceries, please let us as leadership know. Uh, we, we want to serve. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time. And Jesus gave us his life. He served us with his life. And we want to serve other people in whatever way we can. So as you, as you hear of any needs um, that may arise, just and, and, and if you have any needs personally, um, maybe it's not just prayer, but something uh, practical that we can do for you, um, just we invite you, uh, just please let us know and we want to help. With that, I'm going to pray and then we will look at the Word of God together. Father, I thank you so much for your Word and I pray that you would bless our time as we we talk for a little bit about the Bible's story and the main message of the Bible and our response to it. Father, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would work in my words as I speak, that you would help me to be clear. And Lord, um, help me to stay focused as well. This is a different format, um, preaching to a, an audience that I can't mostly for the most part see and uh, I just pray that you would help me to, to not get distracted and to uh, be as clear as I can and Father I pray that um, Lord by the end of our time together we would uh, our hearts would be just delighting in the Lord Jesus more and I pray this in Jesus's name amen all right so this morning um, my notes are over here and you are over here so I'll be Looking back and forth. But this morning, uh, we're continuing our, our key questions series from the Bible. And the key question that we're going to be answering today is the question, what, given the message of the Bible, what should our response to the, to the message be? What should our response be to the Bible's message? So that's the main focus of today. Now, three weeks ago, I answered the question, who is God? Who is the God of the Bible? And our answer was that God, the God of the Bible, is Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, last week, uh, Brian, he answered the question, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? And, and what Brian really focused on was what the main message of the Bible is all about. And so if you, if you missed that sermon, I encourage you to scroll back on our Facebook page and, and watch that sometime this coming week. Uh, Brian said that the main message of the Bible is that God, the Creator God, He wants to be with us. He wants a relationship with us and He wants to dwell with humans just like He dwelled with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God wants a relationship with people. Have you ever known someone that, or maybe you really, you didn't know them, but you wished you could get to know them. They were a really special person. They were beautiful maybe, uh, or important. You just wished that you could get to spend some time with them. And then all of a sudden, you found out that that person really wanted to spend time with you. Well, that happened to me when I first met Holly in Bible college. Uh, for the first time, I was aware when I met Holly that there was this girl, a really beautiful girl that I wanted to spend time with, and she actually wanted to go on a date and spend time with me. And this was amazing. 
And this type of, of connection is actually what we as humans were made for. It's not just a, a connection that is to exist between people. No, the, the relationship that we were made for is a relationship of connection with the most important being in the universe, the God of the Bible. And the relationship that comes closest to this on earth with humans is actually a marriage. But even the best of marriages are but a small taste of the oneness and the unity and the beauty and the fellowship and the joy and the love that God intends to share. The triune God of the Bible, who has all these things in his fellowship between he and the the Spirit and his Son, he has all this joy and love and he wants to share that with people. And that's what the main message of the Bible is all about. Just let that soak in. The kids and I have been studying astronomy and just the vastness of the universe. It just boggles our minds. And this God who who spoke these galaxies into being, galaxies we haven't even discovered yet, and he spoke our sun and our stars and our planets and the moons and all the unending realms of space. This God who has given all things, visible and invisible, life and breath, this galactic God, He wants a relationship with humans. He wants to share his love and his life with you and I. Tiny, frail, puny, little humans. We are specks of dust in comparison to the universe. And yet our God, who made it all, wants a relationship with you and I. Our lives, we are totally dependent on him and on his provision for us. All things come from him. He, we, we are dependent creatures. We are dependent on his life and he made us for himself that we might come to know him. So, given this about God, that he made us to be in relationship with him, what should our human response be to God? What is the proper response? Well, Before we get there, I want to go back to a tragic story in the Bible of when humans, our first parents, made the wrong response, the wrong choice. This story, it takes place in a garden called the Garden of Eden. This garden was a perfect place, right? We already mentioned it earlier, of, of beauty and rest in which God and our first parents, Adam and Eve, whose names mean mankind and life, they, in the garden, they lived together in the presence of God. And the garden was filled with food, food for them. And in the center of this garden, there were two fruit trees. One of these trees was called the tree of life, and its fruit was like an extension of God's own life. Just like you you and I, we have to eat food physically to live, So this tree's fruit was infused with God's own eternal life. You you ate this fruit and you would keep eating it, it seems like the text implies, and, and, and you would live eternally. If you're cut off from it, you die. It symbolized in a very tangible way the, the reality that connection with God, a relationship with God, is the key to life with God, both forever life with God forever and yet there was another tree in the Bible this tree definitely gets a lot more attention in um, 
our stories about the Bible, but but this you know what what you know in in a common knowledge of of the biblical story I meant to say, uh, the, this tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and its fruit was forbidden to Adam and Eve. Should they eat this fruit, they would surely die. This fruit represented trying to live life on your own with your own wisdom apart from God and his life and his wisdom the fruit looked good just like all sin looks good in the time all rebellion looks good we wouldn't rebel against God if it didn't look enticing to us it promises wisdom it promises the good life but in the end it leads to death and separation from God so two trees representing two choices and the reality is that these two trees, they represent a choice that each one of us still have to make every single day. And that's, again, the main theme of this morning's message. Faced with the reality of the God who wants a relationship with us, what will our choice be? What will our response be? Will we live life His way? Will we want to be in relationship with Him? Or will we reject them and seek to live life our own way will we live in obedience and trust or choose rebellion that cuts us off from the tree of life from god and sentences us to death and separation for him from him forever this is serious stuff and it's a choice that we were faced with in the garden and we're faced with every day and tragically we humans as a race we continue to make the wrong choice. But even though we continue to make the wrong choice, God, our creator, he still wants to be in relationship with us. He still desires to be our king. He still wants to come and make this world his home once more. And not just this little slice of creation, but this Garden of Eden, but the whole of creation. And the way that the triune God of the Bible sought to make his return to earth possible is through sending his son Jesus into this world as a man to unite in, in one person, Jesus' body, both heaven and earth. So Brian, this is a lot of recap uh, about what Brian talked about last week, but from a different angle. Um, Jesus, as a man, unites both heaven and earth in one person. The Son of God became the Son of Man. And the mission of this Son of Man, the mission of Jesus, is to bring heaven, the realm where God dwells, to earth to be in relationship with us. But in order to bring heaven to earth, Brian talked about this last week, the King of Heaven has to deal with all the evil and death and rebellion that has no place in God's home. Again, remember, what's our response to God wanting to be with us? Well, in the Bible story, it's rejection, rejection, rejection. We keep running from him, rejecting him. We keep having the wrong response. So what's God's response? Come after us. Bring heaven to earth in the person of his son, Jesus, to deal with evil and rebellion and death and to make it possible for us to have relationship, for rebels to have relationship with God again. And Jesus does this in several steps, okay? The, the first step in doing this, in, in, bringing, in bringing 
um, hope to earth and, and making us and making it possible for us to have a relationship with God again. The first step is for Jesus to come as a man and to make the right choice. Remember, humans are constantly making the wrong choice, choosing the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want to define good and evil our way. Sometimes we agree with God, but most of the time we just only when it makes sense to us, then we want to go our own way. But Jesus, he's faced with a choice. Actually, amazingly, at the end of the Gospels, he's in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's faced with a choice. He's faced with the choice of choosing a tree. The tree represents his Father's will. Will he trust the will of his Father in heaven, of God, and choose the cross? The cross is called a tree throughout the Bible? Or will he reject the Father and rebel? And in the garden, for the first time, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus makes the right choice. And at the crucial time, after a lifetime of always making right choices, our Lord Jesus, unlike any human before him, he chooses the right tree. He chooses the cross. That was God's will. And Jesus dies. For him, the tree of death, life, of doing God's will becomes a tree of death. Jesus dies on the cross, and yet it becomes a tree of life for us. On the cross, Jesus gives his life as a sacrifice for everyone who has made the wrong choice, who has rejected God. Jesus dies taking our sin on himself, and then we come to step two, Jesus doesn't stay dead. He gets buried in another garden, in a rich man's tomb, and he rises again on the third day. So he makes the right choice in a garden, and then in a garden, he defeats death. Jesus, the King. This is the message about This is what God is doing to be in relationship with you and I because we've been making the wrong choice Jesus dies to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And then there's another step to the story that we're still waiting for. Jesus will return again one day, bringing heaven to earth and bringing about the new creation. We can read about that at the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20 to 22. There will be no death there and this united new heavens and new earth no death flees in the presence of the king of life. So, in the meantime, okay, what is our response? What is our response? Like I said, God wants a relationship with us here on this earth. And so our response, the proper response that the Bible gives to its main message that God wants to be with you and the fact that he made that way possible through Jesus, the response to Jesus now is to turn from our rebellion, from making the wrong choices, and to turn in faith and trust the King Jesus. Stop choosing death and choose life. The passage that I want to unpack for us that spells this out perfectly is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. So if you have a Bible or your phone, you can open up to that passage. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. There we read this. Jesus 
arrives on the scene of history and he starts his preaching ministry. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this morning, I want to focus on two things. First, and I've already mentioned them, the gospel of the kingdom, that the king has come, it demands repentance. And second, the gospel of the kingdom requires belief. Repentance and belief. So we'll look at the first one, repentance. Repent and believe the good news. When you and I, when we first hear the good news that Jesus is God's king and that he's come to bring God's rule, God's kingdom to earth, the first response should be to repent, to turn from all the ways that we have not allowed the one true God to be our king. We must turn from every false tree of life that we have clung to instead of God to give us meaning and significance and purpose and hope. We must renounce all the ways of, of living that don't show obedience to King Jesus. So to repent in the Bible, that word simply means turn. Turn with your whole heart from something to something else. Ezekiel 33, 11 says, as surely God is speaking, he says, as surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. And then the Lord says, turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Disobedience to God is evil and it does bring death. And it's serious. If Jesus is king, friends, then nobody and nothing else in creation is or should be. Repentance means that we've truly become convinced in our hearts of the sinfulness of sin, of making the wrong choice like Adam and Eve and like everyone else since the history of humanity. And it means that we're convicted of that and that we see Jesus, the one who made the right choice and who paid for our sins and we want to accept his forgiveness and we want to be like him. So we turn from sin. We hate it. We reject it. It doesn't mean that we become perfect overnight, but it means that we begin of life of doing with our sin what God would have us do, continually turning away. So, again, the first response is to bow to Jesus and turn from sin. And now, what I want to do for a few minutes is just unpack, unpack what repentance looks like in a practical way. Um, what, what it looks like for us to, to repent and turn from trusting in created things to be our Lord's and Savior's. And this current uh, cultural crisis that we're in, I think it presents to us the perfect opportunity to do this kind of soul searching. Right now, um, call it what you will, we, we are in a, a global crisis. Last I looked, 170 nations are dealing with the, the COVID-19 virus, and many of them are shut down. Some have been shut down far longer than us. Churches, millions of churches all over the world are doing what we are doing right now. And the first thing a crisis does, it reveals to us what cannot save our world from fear, from anxiety, 
from uncertainty, from poverty, and from death. Right now, all the security structures of the world that we live in, this modern age, they're all being shaken to the core. All the things we might be tempted to trust in at a time of crisis, they're being revealed to be uncertain places to draw security from. If you looked to our nation's wealth for stability, well, that's being shaken to its core right now. For many people in our our country and our world, their job um, presented to them a, a sense of security a few weeks ago, but now they're unemployed. Many people with good jobs. Oh, I won't lose my job. I got it. And now they're home. And as we listen to video clips and messages from exhausted doctors and nurses around the globe right now, it really should become pretty obvious to us that even the best of doctors and nurses and their medical systems, they cannot give us security. We don't put our faith in them. We, we pray for them. We thank God for them. But let's not put the pressure on them to be our saviors because they can't save us. And our governments, they can't save us either. No matter how much money they print, they, they can't save us. And they can't give us rest and peace and security for our souls. Not, none of them really know what they're doing right now. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That's the refrain that you and I, I, I know I am continually hearing from doctor after doctor, from politician after politician. And it's all very humbling. It should be very humbling. And for many of us who would draw comfort from hanging out with friends or family in a time like this, what, what are we to do when we're cut off from close contact with others? Well, remember what the main message of the Bible is. God wants to be with us. Perhaps God in this time is weaning us from others for a season so that we throw ourselves into his arms. Our Father, he is not in crisis. His arms are still strong. Friends and family, they're precious gifts from the Lord. But ultimately, we were made to find meaning and significance and security and hope and love in him and him alone. A crisis like this, it, it pries our hearts free from earthly joys and support structures that we might turn and find our all in God. So right now, as everything around us is shaking, may the words of Jesus, our King, be loud and clear. He says, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. He will give rest to our souls. So friends, may we turn right now in our hearts and each day and repent of any of our tendencies to draw ultimate security and hope and trust in anything this world has to offer apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one tree of life, and that's Jesus, our King. Only He, ultimately, can deliver from death. But there's another thing that a crisis can do. Not only can it reveal um, things we may have trusted in that are shaking, but it can also reveal what our hearts turn most quickly 
to for salvation and from, from for salvation from anxiety and boredom and stress and loneliness. We don't like these feelings. And what what do we turn to in these moments when all the good gifts to society that we mentioned above, friends, government, family, are 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 shaken? What do we turn to if we're not turning to the Lord? For some of us, we might turn more quickly to food. I'm bored, so I eat. I'm stressed. So I eat. I'm tired, so I go to food. Uh, Food promises to fill our bellies, to make us feel good. And though food is a great and special gift from the Lord, its comfort doesn't last. And overeating anything will make us feel miserable in the end. So food, binging on sugar, it cannot take away anxiety. It ultimately cannot comfort us. It might actually be a false tree of life that we need to turn from in repentance and say, Lord, I'm sorry for using your gift to be for me what only you can be. For many people around the world right now, alcohol and drugs are offering them salvation. Marijuana sales are through the roof. If, you're, if you had stock in marijuana right now, you, you are raking in the cash. But the mind-numbing effects of, of drugs are a false savior. The peace, the calming effect that they might give is, is not anchored in reality. It's, it gives peace by taking your mind out of reality. Altering your mind cannot save. And instead, they increasingly enslave you. And some people are running to the false comfort of hoarding. If I stockpile resources, then I'll be safe. Now, of course, there is wisdom in having resources in a crisis, right? You know, why why do we store up um, food in our fridge for a week so we don't have to keep going every day, right? There is wisdom in um, saving food, saving money. But my freezer right now has a lot of meat in it. But... I don't put my security there. We could lose power. And in two days, I'd have no meat. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a sense of, it's, it's not a place where we should turn to for security. For many of us, we might run to the comfort of statistics. We look at the news, we look at the charts, and we say, I have a small chance of dying from this. Therefore, I don't need to be afraid. But statistics can't bring us peace. There's safety in numbers until you're the one. There's always that chance. So statistics, they're not a rock to stand on in a flood of fear. Now, there's so many other things that we could talk about here that are offering us life and salvation and freedom and comfort during a time of crisis. Tragically, pornography use is at an all-time high right now globally. Lust, it promises us salvation from boredom and from loneliness and sadness, but in the end, it only brings bondage and shame and further, further isolation and darkness. It cannot save. It destroys relationships with real people. In the same, in a similar way, Many are turning right now to movies and, and video games and all the TV shows being binged, binge-watched all over the world right now. All of these things, some of them very, very harmless. Um, we need to be careful that they don't become a false refuge for our souls. 
numbing our minds, taking our hearts away from the God who offers us life. They cannot deliver us from fear. And over all these false refuges stands our Savior, our King Jesus, who says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. So we have a gospel of good news, friends. Jesus is God's king. And Jesus saves from death. He saves from fear. He saves from boredom. He wants to be with you and to draw close to you right now during this time. Let's not waste our coronavirus. Let's not waste this epidemic. Let's do with it what God would have us. Let's use these, this season, and I'm preaching to myself right now as well, to, to, to push our hearts into the arms that will never let us go. A crisis like this global crisis that we're facing, it is an incredible opportunity for, for, for all of us as God's people, if you are watching, if you know Jesus, to, to lead God's world, actually, in turning from what cannot save and in clinging to the only King Jesus who can save both now and forever. Jesus is our hope, our rest, our comfort, and our King. His love is like an anchor for our soul. You, you throw an anchor out so the boat doesn't drift away. Jesus is like a soul anchor, which leads us to point two this morning. The gospel of the kingdom, it requires belief. <clears throat> Repent, says Jesus, and believe the gospel. So not only must we run from false saviors and masters and run, we must run to Jesus and embrace him as the God who has come to be with us. Now, the word believe has three really important elements to it. And if any one of them are missing, then it's not real belief in Jesus, real faith. So these three elements, we see them all over the Bible. Uh, they are uh, knowledge, acceptance, and trust. So here's a here's an illustration. If I told you, um, now I'm giving you knowledge, this isn't true, but if I told you that right now at Walgreens and Granville there was a vaccine for the coronavirus on sale, my announcement of good news would take you to the place of knowing facts. You now know the facts of my announcement. You know what I said. You know that I said a vaccine was there. You have information. Will you accept it or will you reject it? Now, many people are actually stuck right here with Jesus. They know some facts about Jesus, some they really like and some they aren't sure of. They don't want to all out reject Jesus because they like some of the stuff he says, but they aren't quite ready to accept everything about Jesus because who he is makes them, who he claims to be, makes them uncomfortable. They're in limbo. But Jesus doesn't offer people the option of being in limbo about him. He says things like, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I'm the door. I give eternal life. You can't be on the fence about Jesus. You can't pick or choose facts about Jesus that you like or don't like. 
Either he is all these things or he's not. And so belief in the good news about Jesus, it requires knowledge about the facts about Jesus, but that's not enough. Satan knows all the facts about Jesus. As Jesus' brother James says, even the demons believe and tremble. They believe. They know the facts. They have intellectual knowledge about Jesus. But the next step, of faith or belief. Remember, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. The next step in believing is acceptance. Acceptance. You've got to accept that this Jesus is who he says he is. He's true. Back into our illustration, you would have to accept, yes, this cure is indeed at Walgreens. And yes, it could indeed um you know, inoculate me and my friends to this thing. So you accept that it's true if you took it. Or to switch back to the, the real point I want to show you, you accept that Jesus is indeed your Savior. He can save you from eternal death and from punishment that you deserve for your sins. But this acceptance is still not enough to qualify as saving faith in Jesus. See, back to the illustration, if I hear that the cure is there and I accept the fact that it is a legitimate um, medication and I, I could get this um, inoculation, <clears throat> I could get uh, the shot, if I, if I hear these things and, and I still don't get in my car and drive to Walgreens and receive the the drug if i or the, the the shot if i don't do that then it's not going to do me any good no it's like this with our faith with faith in jesus we must truly receive and trust him to be our king if we are to enjoy all the eternal benefits of the life that he offers so faith is knowing that jesus is the king you have to know him to accept him and trust him you have to know things about him that he's God, that he died for your sins. Those are things you have to know, but that's not enough. You have to accept that it's true, that it's true for you, and that you really do need to turn from sin and repent. You have to accept that you're a sinner, but that's still not the, the, the fullness of what faith is. We have to then trust, trust in Jesus to forgive us, to and we must submit to his rule in every area of our life forever. We actually have to fling ourselves into his arms. Remember what the whole point of the Bible is. He wants a relationship with us. Faith, true faith, receives him as Lord, Savior, and treasure of our hearts. So as we wrap this up, <clears throat> I, wonder, I want you to remember Again, the message of the Bible. God wants to be with you. We saw that last week, hammering it again this week. And he has made that possible through Jesus the King. And the proper response for all of us is to repent, to turn from our sin, and to cling to Jesus, to know that he is the King, and to accept that he is our King, and to trust him with our life, both now and for eternity. So right now, through this verse, Mark 1, verse 15, Jesus is calling you, if you're watching this, to repent today and turn 
and believe in the gospel. God's kingdom, his rule, his reign is breaking in. It's coming near. The rule of Jesus is being expanded every day all over this globe as people are turning to Jesus in faith. Will you turn? Every day, we are faced with this choice too. It's not just a one and done thing. Every day, which tree will you choose? The tree of life? The tree of obedience to God? Or your own way? The tree that seeks to define good and evil for yourself like Adam and Eve? Will we turn from our rebellion? Will we accept God's forgiveness through Christ anew today and cling in faith to the God of life? Just like Adam and Eve, we are faced with this choice and the whole of the Christian life is embracing the tree of life. And for us, the tree of life has a shape. It's a cross. It's a cross where Jesus died to bring us life. His obedience at the tree brought him death and brought us life. He saves us from death. I mean, this is, this is so precious. The Bible is one story from beginning to end, and we've got to read it like that. It's a story in which you are a part of it, and you have a choice. Will you choose to live your life in the light of the cross? Will you receive what Jesus did for you there and trust his sacrifice for you? His cross provides freedom for the guilty and a covering for human shame. His cross provides bread of life for hungry human souls. The cross provides living water for thirsty souls, forgiveness, freedom from slavery to sin, life. It gives, his resurrection gives hope for decaying bodies. We're all going to die unless Jesus returns. But we have a hope that is anchored beyond the grave. We will rise through Christ. His, his mission, Jesus' mission to save the world, it gives purpose to bored, apathetic lives. Jesus is a blast of heaven-sent reality to those who are longing for truth. Jesus is peace for anxious and fearful souls. Jesus' cross provides us with love. You want to know whether or not God loves you? Look at the cross, the tree of life. He is pouring out his life for you and for me on the cross. That's how we know that God is love. He gave his life for us. The cross is love for the lonely right now. His kingdom is a treasure that cannot be taken away, even though your bank account is completely drained. Jesus and his kingdom is forever. Moth and rust cannot destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus provides all of these things and a thousand more that we haven't even begun to touch on. So I want to pray right now for us that during this time, we would just run to Jesus 
that we would be convicted of sin of any way that we have not made Jesus our refuge, our Savior, our Lord, and our King, that his Holy Spirit would convict us and that he would help us to turn in faith in this time to him. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the the gospel about Jesus. Lord, you're, you want to be with us and you want us to turn and cling to you in this time and always. So I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't waste this uh, this season, but that we would use it to run to Jesus. That we would look at your word and just dig deeply in the Bible. That we would give ourselves to prayer. And Lord, I pray that we would be prepared to, sh- to share our lives with others like Jesus shared his life for us. Father, I pray that you would be with each one uh, watching and any who may watch in the future, Lord, um, that you would just comfort their hearts in the grace and the love of Jesus right now. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we uh, get ready to sign off, I had a really uh, exciting announcement that I wanted to uh, just share with you all. Uh, most of you uh, have probably heard, but in this, in this time uh, of uncertainty, we have uh, the gift of life that has been brought into our church family in the form of a new little baby. The Verrett's had their little girl, and her name is a very fitting name to end on. Her name is Annie Joy, and Annie is short for Anastasia, which is resurrection in Greek. Resurrection joy. The resurrection of Jesus is the anchor for our joy, both now and forever. So I love you, and be praying for the Verrett's as they adjust to this. Uh, hope, hope to see many of you tune in on Thursday night, most likely, is when we'll do our Zoom. So uh, much grace to you all.